Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Ed. This is Kevin. And we are back. Um, even though I don't think any of us want to be back right now to talk about this game, but we're we're here to do the service for you Bruin fans. Um, and if you have been following the team, yeah, what's up? <laughs> what what are you going to say? Because what, what I don't th- want to say it. What, what, what you said is accurate. It, it is a service. I don't want to be here right now. I don't want to talk about this game. I want to forget about it. I want to put it in the rearview mirror. I want to throw it in the trash. I want to do all the things you can say about that. But, hey, we're here. We're here. We might as well talk about it at this point. Uh, it's been a few days, so we've been able to process it a little bit. But uh, in in true UCLA fashion, we have now lost two in a row. We talked about Arizona already, but now we've really lost a bad game, in my opinion, to Southern Cal at Galen Center, of course. Uh, and uh, it was just a painful one to, to watch because, look, SC is a decent team, but they're not a great team. I'll just put it that way. They're not a great team. They've improved. Uh, I, I think some Bruin fans are hesitant to to give Andy Anfield some credit for what he's done over there. But but this is SC, right? This isn't, I don't know, Indiana or you know North Carolina or something. And for them to be in this position pretty much every year and to get the talent they do and and look, I mean, credit to them. They tell their the guys like what they want to hear as well as what they're about. They're about, you know, attracting a certain kind of player with a certain level of athleticism and just letting them play. And sometimes when they get hot, this is what happens. More or less, they have enough talent to make the tournament. They've been a thorn in our side. I I mean, hate, hate, hate to say it, but that was a terrible game. It was a terrible game, and it wasn't even like that we lost. Obviously, the loss is what hurt, but it was the way we lost. That second half of that game, we just didn't look like we cared. And that was that. that's kind of uncharacteristic and a little strained for a Mick Cronin team, especially at this junction of the season. We're in February now, or almost February. It's, it's January 31st today is when we're recording, end of January, almost February. We're getting into crunch time here. And for a team, a team with two and several other very veteran players who have been through a lot of battles at this point, some of these guys have made it to a Final Four. They know what it takes to win. When you have that kind of lackluster effort in the second half of a a road game against your rival, that concerns me. Yeah, I... I thought about this after the game, and then I wanted to go back and look at it, and, and so I did. I, I consider the Mick Cronin era pretty much post-Stanford of 2020, when we lost by 15 at home, and that's when we started to go on that little run uh, in his first season. And everything before that game, I think, is, and including that game, I think is just, you know, throw it out, and it was just a weird start to his tenure. So in that post-Stanford world, I think that second half was the worst half of basketball that UCLA's played in three years. I, I, I'm, I'm willing to, get, to go that far. Um, there was an ugly loss to, to ASU in there. Um, in, also, in that on, same, the on the road in, his, in his, that, that same first year. But again, that's a first year where, you know, ASU was, 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 was all right that year. And 
you know, is a, a decent team. But but this this half right here, I think this half and the second half against SC in this very season, I would argue has to be the, the worst half of, of basketball I played under McCronin. And, and this game was such a weird one, you want to say, but then it not... Not really if you've been watching this team. Once again, we got get off to a really slow start. Um, but I think, one, you know, again, at the under-12 timeout, we have, like, nine points. And we are looking lost on offense. And then the last ten minutes of the first half, I thought we really put it together. I thought that our defense were start, was starting to create some turnovers. We weren't allowing any second chances. Dave Singleton started to hit some threes. Tiger hit, made some shots. It's crazy with this team when just a couple of guys make a couple of shots, the lead starts to balloon a little bit, and that's kind of what happened at the end of that first half. And then you would think that you'd learned from the first game um, and that you would had learned about what the response probably was going to be against your rival on the road in the second half. And that first five, six minutes, I mean, that was really bad. And And I think what happened was... Mick was telling him to get the ball inside because that that was an emphasis in the first game, if you remember, that he said that with all their hard hedging and everything, they didn't make him pay by getting the ball inside where their hedging was coming from. And I think we've tried that a couple times, force-fed a couple passes, and they tipped him off. They knew it was coming. We We turned it over. And then SC, we've played him enough over the years. Guys like Drew Peterson, Boogie Ellis... They're rhythm players, and if they get hot, then that's when they really start getting hot and shots start going in. They start feeling good. And we gave them some easy turnovers, and within about five minutes, you know, they they get hot, the lead's down to one, and then from there, it's just ugly the rest of the way. Um, I mean, UCLA cut it down to two with, like, you know, I think it was a couple minutes left or so. Um, they got within two. But it never really felt from that point on that UCLA had a foothold in the game, that they could get a, enough stops and had enough solutions on the other end. So, yeah, it was really disappointing. It was, yeah, it was hard to watch. I think there was a sense that you would have, like you said, this team should have learned from the first game. This team should have known not to take their foot off the gas. This team absolutely folded in that second half for all those reasons that you mentioned. But even if the you know the pl- the game plan of hey let's go inside isn't working, we need to be able to adjust at that point, right? Like we we cannot just uh, fold every time Plan A doesn't work. And, and generally, this team hasn't done that, but for whatever reason, they did this game, and it was a very very bad time, very unfortunate time to do that. Um, even and usually you look the offense isn't working shots aren't dropping we still have maintained a high effort high energy on defense and we lock in there we didn't even do that this game and i don't know what the game plan for defense was but when boogie ellis who is i will say this on record as a mediocre player i don't care if he lit us up he's not a great player He's a streaky shooter. Streaky. Give him credit. Yeah. He got hot against us. Why we kept Jaime Jaquez and everybody besides Jalen Clark on him is beyond me. Well, I'll tell you why I think is beyond well, me. Well, I'll tell you why I think we did that. Um, 
this was Jalen Clark's worst game in a while. Uh, I, I think this was the... It was everyone's worst uh, game. <laughs> everyone's worst game in a while, but especially for him. He's the guy that we haven't seen yet where his offense hasn't affected his defense, I think, until this game. Um, you know, he, he, he got selfish a little bit, I think, even on defense, trying to gamble, um, leaving wide-open shooters. Uh, obviously, he missed all those floaters, and they weren't going in, but... On the other end, he was gambling so much that I think eventually Mick said, I got to take you out uh, and put in Amari Bailey, who did play well this game. I think he was the one, if there's any bright spot to be taken in this game, it's him coming back from a long layoff. Um, and, you know, I think on both sides played very confidently and, and, and acquitted himself very well. I think eventually Jalen just got benched because he was gambling. He w was getting beat. You wonder, again, for a kid like Jalen Clark, you know, as much as we want these kids to come here and give it all for UCLA and that's what it should all be about now obviously it's not what it's all about for for all these kids it's for, in a lot of cases they want to make it to the NBA and that's their dream and they want to go play at the next level and you wonder if this started to get into, hit into his head a little bit where he feels like he has to score or show that he could score to prove to the NBA scouts that he can be an NBA player and you just wonder if that's all starting to get in his head a little bit because this game this was the first game I thought not only was he not scoring, but he stopped getting deflections. He started gambling. And when he starts doing that on defense, I think we really suffered. Um, and, 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 and it showed. We, you're, you're absolutely right. We definitely suffered from his, you know, I'll say he his bad play in this game. And Look, no one was is really absolved of that. Minus maybe Amari coming back. I think you pointed out he he did play well in his minutes. Um, but I think Jalen there were there were several possessions with Jalen specifically. I remember watching this game where he got an offensive rebound or or you know picked up the ball under the rim, and I'm screaming at the TV like kick it out, kick it out. There's wide open shooters. There's wide open guys, and he's still went up against like four defenders and either got blocked or lost the ball like turned it over and it was just a great example of the microcosm of this game just nothing going right nobody making the right play in this game and we just we just could not get over that hump in that second half it's just i i don't even know what to make of it at this point like you know history tells us to some degree like this happens with McCronin teams. I think we've seen this every season now where there's a point in the season where we hit some sort of snag or lull where we'll lose a couple games and it feels like the the world is falling apart. It, 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 I think we might be in that part of the season, but to your point, this was the season that you keep saying we get to be selfish with. And I'm 100% agree with you. Like This was should be that season. Like We shouldn't hit those lulls with this team but it feels like we are again yeah again if, if i try to cool my head a little bit with this game and i'll try i really try to do that um the problem with this i don't think is a couple losses in january because because as you pointed out i think most teams go through that we were hoping that this team would be like just elite from end to end and that hasn't happened but but even besides that you know a couple losses in january is not what's there to worry about. But with this team, 
we've seen signs of this all throughout January. Uh, we haven't played with championship habits for a while. And that started to rear its head. I, th I think the game against Arizona, you could say that was variance. It was missing shots, uh, so on and so forth. But we've seen some, some trends where we go on 10 to 12 minute stretches where we can score at most four points. And eventually, again, these are, these are basketball teams have human beings on them. They're not just, you know, robots like we'd like them to be sometimes. And anyone who's played basketball will tell you when you were that bad on offense, eventually it starts to creep over to your defense. You, you start to feel a little less of yourself. And those trends have been there pretty much this whole month. We'll go on five to six minute stretches where we switch off and then we come back. I would go further than that. I think we've seen trends of this since the Illinois game. That was in November. Yeah, I, I agree. This game was a lot like Illinois, where we have a big lead and then just completely switch off. Um, for, for what reason, I don't know. And then a couple guys get hot and we, we end up losing the game going away. Uh, it was a very similar to the Illinois game. But the Illinois and Baylor game, you can always chalk those up to early season. You know, we didn't have a couple guys ready to play, whatever it is. Uh, and it looked like in December we had gotten out of that rut. But but now, again, we haven't played with championship habits in a while. And I think that's what's most important now as we look forward. Because, you know, th these upcoming games here, you would hope we can win. We, we need to win now because we've lost any margin for error in the conference. But more than anything, we got to get back to playing with championship habits uh, and just play a good game from from minute one to forty because uh, we haven't done that in a, in a while. We have not, and it's it's. I don't know what what the solution is. I don't know if it's hey, do we try to retool the offense and do something on that end? Do we just try to refocus on defense i don't know but we we have a good opportunity coming up against the washington schools at home this week um you know we we've we've played both we escaped against washington state but we have uh a, uh them coming at home and muhammad gay has been playing the best basketball that i think we've probably seen from him in a very long time and we play them Saturday, and then we have Washington, who presents that weird zone that I think, you know, we sometimes struggle with. So both teams are, are beatable. Both teams are going to be desperate to try to get a win over a top-10 team, and we still are a top-10 team somehow. We did not drop very far in the polls because of other teams losing beneath us. So, you know, we have an opportunity to kind of right the ship here again, but we'll see what happens. So we look at the conference rate, the standings right now, and we now essentially have, it's a half a game lead, but we got a game in hand against Arizona. So we, we have two losses, they have three. USC now also only has three losses. And I think it'd be fair to expect, they'll go on some kind of run. I don't think they're gonna go on a, you know, they're gonna run the table the rest of the way or anything. They'll probably lose it at least twice, but you know, they're right behind us now. Arizona, what's interesting about them is they've probably played the tough end of the Pac-12 schedule, and they got Oregon's at home. They play like, I'm going to call them the feces of the conference, Cal and Stanford away, right? So that's two easy wins. And then they got the home dates with the mountain trip. Really, it's the L.A. trip that, that's that's scary for them. We, we, we could possibly expect Arizona to run the table the rest of the way until they play us, which means... Uh, 
you know, the margin for error for us is, is not very much. And again, all that stuff about, you know, the other teams losing and, you know, the top end of college basketball, no one's really great. I, I'm not really concerned with any of that because the habits that, again, that we're playing with where we go on long lulls without sometimes the defense to back it up. I think we have a very good defense, but again, these are human beings. And I think what you're seeing is if we're going on way too long a lull, that's creeping into the defense here. You know, forget all the other teams. We got to get back to playing our our way and just and figure out what to what to do about you know getting the ball in the basket and playing with more focus. So these these two games right here, they're they're big. Um, we we can't we definitely can't lose another home game the rest of the way, and uh, these would now come. The, the losses we've had are all quote unquote good losses. These would be bad losses. The the good news is that we do also get Amari back playing a little bit, so that should should help hopefully both on on offense and defense. But it's 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 kind of wild that if we, you know, we win our home games, hopefully we get our our road wins against the Mountain Schools in. But that Arizona trip to LA and that last game of the season against Arizona could decide the Pac twelve, which could be wild. Um. So I, I, this is going to be an interesting stretch, an interesting finish down the the, uh, the second kind of final half of this Pac-12 season. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we have the tools to to figure this out. We have the guys to figure this out. I think the we have a, a smart basketball team and a good staff. And let's see how we um, how we do starting with the Washington schools. So how do we? get this going on offense because if, if I can see one problem right now on offense it's that well for one I don't we have guys that are looking to pass I'm not sure that you know we're, we're, we're trying to force feed the post right now teams are packing it in or they're they're trying to trap and, and, and get turnovers off of Bona and I think part of the problem is this all five guys on the floor at a given moment aren't always comfortable touching the ball. That's why I think that we're not playing the bench as much as we maybe want. I mean, Will McClendon got three minutes this game, but, you know, obviously we've seen him shoot, and I don't think he's comfortable with the ball yet in a game. If you're on the floor for UCLA, I think step number one is you got to be comfortable touching the ball and... If there's a need for you to go take a shot, you have to have some kind of move or some kind of go-to that you, you are going to go do. Because right now, I think some of our actions, they take so long to set up. Guys are standing around, and then when they get the ball, they're not really sure what to do with it. Um, and then we end up going with a a, a a weird, hectic shot up that we, that we throw up there. I almost wonder if this is why the whole you know Tiger Campbell, Steph Curry mode is... is was was there in the beginning of the year because weirdly enough it's only when the ball is in his hands that I feel like there's a chance that we could get a bucket yeah the the one-on-one ball the iso ball needs to stop right I think the more we move the ball the better we we create and that's just basic basketball but the hey, let's get it to Jay or let's get it to Tiger or let's get it to Jaime on a one on one, and try to you know hope they can hit a shot or create their own shot is 
you know, we've said this time and time again now, it's become predictable. Everyone knows it's coming. Getting Amari back, I think, helps. You know, we have another creator. We have another guy who can get to the hoop and create his own shot. But really, I think the key is just let's move the ball. And I think Bona is going to be key to that. I think Bona, if we can get an inside presence, will help open up a lot of the offense here. And we've seen flashes of it. Uh, we, we, we know that he can score when he needs to, but let's... If we can get him going a little bit more, I think that just opens it up for everybody else. But uh, it's... it's I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm at the point of the season where I'm just so frustrated with the team that I don't I don't know if anything will work. Yeah, I'm I'm not actually ready to go so far as cuz yes, we need Amari Bailey and a Dembona to get to the best possible versions of themselves over these next, you know, 6 weeks or so. But I think Dylan Andrews and Will McClendon are equally important to this picture now. Um, you can't play a ball movement style and have it, and play 5 on 5 if guys are not willing to shoot or are not knowing what to do with the ball and I think part of this is on Mick he plays such a tight style with with some of the the younger players that maybe sometimes guys are afraid that they'll turn the ball over they're playing tight I don't know what it is but we got to loosen them up a little because far too often on offense we're playing like three on five and against a longer athletic team where Dave Singleton can get neutralized a little bit we're playing two on five. Um, so I think we need those two guys to just get comfortable touching the ball and taking a shot if if they have it. And then the big one, obviously, is Jalen Clark. I don't know what's gotten into him, right? Like The, the problem is this. This has kind of been Jalen Clark's, Clark's career. He's had a few games where he flashes, where it's like, wow, that's there. And then he has a few games where he doesn't, right? I mean, last year when he started a couple games, it looked really good. And then when he came, when he afterwards when he had to have, play that role sometimes it wasn't there, and right now you know whatever funk he's going through. At the very least, if if the floater game is what it's going to be, then fine, do it to a degree, but don't get selfish. He cannot let his offense affect his defense. Him of all the players, because if he's not getting the energy and the deflections and stuff on that end then we'll start to fall flat at the other end. And, and, and he's got to take that leadership role now, being an upperclassman on this team where if my shot's not falling, I'm going to make sure I'm commandeering our, our defensive end, communicating, getting deflections, all of that. Because if that starts to go down, then I think we're in trouble. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, you mentioned the bench. I'll name one more person on that bench that I think we should utilize more. Abramo Zanka, I think... Every time we've seen him come in, he is uh, able to, you know, get get shots up. He's long and athletic, and he's been able to. He plays hard. I, I just I don't. I and I'm, I know Mick probably sees him in practice and whatnot, but I I think he's a guy that can contribute, especially against those longer athletic teams. I I think at this point of the season, we're we're wasting away kind of our advantage with having a pretty deep bench with a lot of talent on it. And so if we're not going to utilize it, then I don't know why we have these guys right now. And if I were them, (laughs) I'd be pretty pissed. But I think having a guy like Zonka, when we're playing a team that's longer and athletic than us, should come off the bench and help us kind of mitigate some of that lack of of athleticism or lack of length. Because... 
again, he's come off the bench every time, shown a lot of energy. He can shoot the ball. That's something we're missing. So, like, why is this kid not playing more? Again, whatever he's doing in practice, I, I, I don't know, but he seems to be gelling on the court in game time decision in game time opportunities and i'm not talking about like um i'm not talking about giving him 25 minutes or 30 minutes i'm just talking about give him five to ten minutes a game like just get him in there because he does provide a spark in my opinion yeah i have just let that ship stale sail a little bit i i, I mean uh, th- there's only so much we know who Mick Cronin is, and ever since, ever since we went to you know, getting these more established players on the team, I think his first year we kind of had to play everyone, right? We had to play, you know, everyone through their mistakes. We had to play Jules Bernard through his mistakes, Tiger, Jaime Jaquez, all of them. And ever since then, there's been an established group of players that he really trusts, and everyone else has to earn that. And it's hard for them to earn it when they're not playing. I've kind of let the Abramo Zanka ship sail there. Like, I don't think it's coming back. Let's get Amari Bailey. Let's get Will McClendon. Let's get Dylan Andrews and Adembona all ready to go. Because even if we even if we just do that, we should have a solid eight to nine man rotation come March. Um, and and let's just go for like if we can get all those guys comfortable, we have to get them all comfortable. I think one of the big disappointments of, of the season right now is that guys like Will McClendon and to some extent Dylan Andrews, they still haven't been given the minutes maybe in some of those meaningless games to where they could have been better at this point. And now we're at the, the business end of the season. So that's, I think, a big focus over these next few games is, again, get back to playing with good habits. Get those guys confident with the ball because – the Washington schools, I'm, I'm really hoping we can beat the Washington schools. The next big date I'm looking at is at Oregon. Um, we're always struggling there. So first, this week, I'd love to see getting some of those guys some confidence in, in winning efforts, obviously. But can we get those guys confidence? Can we get Jalen Clark back on track? That, that's what I want to see this week. Absolutely. I think getting their confidence back is going to be really important down the stretch here. Um, again, we have a couple of home games coming up against the Washington schools, and then we have the, the, the mountain trip, which is really going to be – it's always tough, but this could be a make-or-break part of the season. Like, we drop one of those games, or both of those games, that that's it for the Pac-12, in my opinion, for us. But we'll see. Um, let's just get the, the, the ship – sailing straight against Washington schools uh, at home this week uh, and uh, go from there. I think we just need to kind of go back to basics and, and start, you know, building up one game at a time again and not look too far ahead and get ourselves straight because if we don't do that quickly, then I think the season can, can fall apart really quickly. Not not to the point where I don't think we'll be a tournament team, but to the point where we're going to be out of the Pac-12 race and be playing for a fifth or sixth seed in the, the tournament, which is not what we wanted this season. I think we all had greater expectations uh, from this team. So we'll see what happens down the stretch. Uh, again, a couple of games coming up Thursday and Saturday uh, against Washington and then Washington State. And, uh, yeah, we'll go from there.
Yeah, let's let's put together a good 40-minute game. I, I think the last time we did that, I mean, I know we, we played Utah pretty well at home, but that was without their best player. So really, I would say you'd have to go back to Davis, maybe. I mean, Washington on the road was, was pretty good, but they were pretty miserable that day. So it's been a while, and, uh, you know, we need to go back – Get, get back to, again, playing with, I keep saying it, playing with good habits, getting everyone their confidence back. And then on offense, you know, I think we talk a lot about how we shouldn't let the offense affect our defense. We need to be able to shoot better than 35%. The floor of our offense is far too low right now to where, like, you know, that, that that's where we, we actually do have those visions, right? Like, what if we shoot 30% against Washington and lose? Like, if you shoot that badly, you can lose. You just we, we can't be that bad, so that that's. I think it's it's got to get back to better ball movement. Um, you know, find the open man. I don't and and I think if we get transition opportunities now with Amari Bailey back, we got to take them, and maybe that can start to open some things up. We'll we'll, we'll see. I, I don't think that we can change the offense fundamentally at this point in the season. So. Hopefully we can improve from here. We, we we have a track record of doing it. You know, Mick Cronin teams have improved from this point all the way till March. It's happened in the past. I think this really it's going to come down to him. Um, you know, can he get these guys and get the shit back on track? He's got the horses to do it. Because, again, when you coach at UCLA, these things creep in. You have guys who want to play in the NBA. At this point of the year, they're thinking about their draft stock. And that's very normal for, you know, players playing at UCLA it's nothing that's 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 new here um, he he personally hasn't really dealt with that before so th- those are things he's got to deal with while riding the ship here and, and getting everyone back on track and convincing him to play a way that that may not be as fun but it's going to be effective and boring and they're going to win and in the end that's going to help all the draft stocks so that's I think the trick for him to get these guys back on track yeah I absolutely agree I think uh, it starts this week. Again, Washington schools come into town. Neither team is really that good, but they all both present you know different challenges. I think Washington brings that funky pre- uh, funky zone, that Mike Hopkins, Jim Hape, Beheim, Syracuse zone. Uh, they also have some good players. You know, Keon Brooks is a, a, a pretty good good player for them, transfer from uh, Kentucky and. You know they're they're going to present a challenge. They're going to throw throw their again best punch at us, like every team does. And so we need to be prepared for that. And then obviously Muhammad Gay against uh, on Washington State is going to present a challenge. Again, another legitimate athletic seven foot guy that can um, shoot the ball from outside. So uh, these these teams are are hungry, especially Washington State. That's kind of hanging in there a little bit. Um, and they've shown a lot of, of flash lately, obviously beating Arizona uh, in McHale was a kind of con- big win, but I'm sure they'd love to beat UCLA in Poly as well and add that to the resume this season. So we'll, we'll, we're going to get both these teams' best punches, and so we need to be prepared. And I think you what you pointed out is going back to some of those good habits and ball movement and playing hard defense really kind of the staples and the, the mortar of a Mick Cronin team will help us win both these games that really get back on track. So 
um, looking forward to seeing how we can uh, adjust and and kind of get our heads straight and the whole team's head back in the game. Um, I think that's kind of all we have today. It's a shorter episode, but <laughs> I don't think we won't need to beat this horse anymore. Uh, this, this dead horse has uh, been beaten plenty. I don't think we either of us really want to talk more about this uh, this past game. Um, so I think with that, we will go ahead and call it a day. Um, look out for these next two games on Thursday and on Saturday. And uh, we will catch you next week on Bruinsource. Follow us on Twitter. You know, Share if you enjoy our show. And as always, go Bruins. Go Bruins.